Welcome to today's installment of Concrete Credentials. I'm Greg Lewis, Executive Vice President of the National Ready Mixed Concrete Association. And our guest today is Ms. Lakeisha Woods. Ms. Woods is the Executive Vice President and Chief Executive Officer of the American Institute of Architects. The AIA is a dynamic network of more than 94,000 architects and design professionals throughout 200 chapters committed to enhancing the built environment. She previously served as president and CEO of the National Institute of Building Sciences, or NIBS, from 2018 to 2022, and led the effort to expand the organization's programs and markets while growing and strengthening its membership base. Prior to joining NIBS, she was the senior VP and chief marketing officer at the National Association of Home Builders, where her team was responsible for all marketing and revenue generating programs, including marketing the International Builder Show, sponsorship sales and partnerships with major national companies. Woods is also the author of the book, Never Get Their Coffee, Empowering Fearless Leadership, and currently serves on the American Society of Association Executives Board of Directors as chair of the foundation and chair-elect of the ASAE board. She also previously served as vice chair of the United States Green Building Council Board of Directors and is a global speaker. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Maryland at College Park and lives with her husband and daughter in Howard County, Maryland. Lakeisha, welcome to Concrete Credentials. Thank you so much, Greg. It is a pleasure to be here. One of the best aspects of this new role is the opportunity to speak to other members of the AEC community. Even though we all play different roles, what unites us is a common vision of a built world that empowers and inspires. That's true of architects, and that's true of NRMCA members. I know well because my first association job was working at NRMCA. I see the challenges ahead, equity and sustainability at the top of the list, as opportunities to work together to transform the marketplace and industry through innovation and partnership. I'm really excited to be here. It's great to have you. And let me just say, first off, that as a longstanding AIA member myself, I am delighted to see a woman of color taking the reins of AIA. And I wanted to give you a chance to dive into what that means to you personally, and also to give you a chance to talk about the work you've done and are continuing to do, I'm sure, to address issues of equity and diversity in the building industry. Thank you. Equity is one of two primary focuses of AIA. AIA's approach to creating a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive profession is fundamental to our mission and holistic in approach. There are two important resources I want to share. First is the Hastings Report. The report was a joint effort produced in partnership with the Center for Work-Life Law at the University of California, Hastings College of the Law. The Hastings Report is a qualitative and quantitative study of bias based on gender and race, ethnicity in the practice of architecture. The primary purpose of the Hastings Report were first to move beyond anecdote and to deepen, identify, and address issues of bias sexism, and racism within firm culture. In addition, it was to build awareness and to help members recognize and identify bias, as well as address issues that may be occurring in their offices and in their profession. Also to start a conversation in firms that disrupt bias. If you want to ask how the report provides strategies, specifically what we refer to as bias interrupters, and it helps firms address bias in the workplace and to help make their practices more inclusive and welcoming. 
Lastly, to amplify the voices of people who experience a disproportionate share of negative, exclusionary, or biased behavior in the workplace. You can access all of this information in the report that's available on AIA's website. The other is the second edition of the Guides for Equitable Practice. AIA created the Guides for Equitable Practice in partnership with the University of Washington, the University of Minnesota, and of course, AIA's Equity and the Future of Architecture Committee. The guides are a vital part of fostering and advancing difficult but necessary discussions on how to create a more inclusive, welcoming, and ultimately more productive and collaborative environment. It is a great tool. I recommend you check it out. It's great stuff. Obviously, we've got more to do, but what are some of the other areas that you expect to focus on in your new role? Well, of course, our other area of focus through AIA strategic plan is climate action, sustainability and resilience and the intersections of these with equity. AIA is focused on ensuring our members have the tools they need to design, construct, and evaluate projects holistically to achieve a zero carbon, equitable, resilient, and healthy built environment. A good example is the Framework for Design Excellence and other programs and resources that help architects create better outcomes for clients, occupants, and communities. So obviously there's still much work for all of us to do along those lines. And I hope that having these kinds of conversations will begin to accelerate activities. I agree. I'll add that who sits at the table decides the direction of the conversation and ultimately the solutions and path forward. That's why ensuring that the profession is as diverse as our society is critical to meeting the challenges ahead. Establishing that as an expectation starts at grade school, not graduate school. So looking ahead, AIA will continue to work with our members and anyone else who shares our commitment to advancing racial justice and equity in our communities. Great stuff. Really appreciate your talking a little bit about that. And in, as you were well aware, the issue of sustainability is front of mind for the architecture community that you now lead. What is less well known, I think, is that it is an ongoing topic of discussion and emphasis across the concrete supply chain. I believe that either one of our industries working in isolation to attempt to tackle the challenges we face, addressing sustainability will only limit the impacts ultimately that our solutions can have. Can you tell us a little bit from your perspective about how you view industry collaboration? And also, where do you think architects and concrete producers can do more to improve outcomes through that kind of collaboration? Absolutely. We all need to work together to create solutions for sustainability. Industry collaboration with the design profession is key to improving outcomes for decarbonization. By demonstrating the demand for sustainable products on the design side, innovative research and product development from concrete producers, we can achieve market transformation through our collaboration. Through AIA's Architecture and Design Materials Pledge, we are demonstrating demand from the design community for healthy and sustainable materials. Over 160 architecture firms have signed on to the pledge statements to specify only building products that support human health, social health and equity, ecosystem health, climate health, and a circular economy. We have recently partnered with industry nonprofit Mindful Materials, who have developed a manufacturer's materials commitment to support ongoing collaboration with the broader industry and work towards manufacturing holistically sustainable products across these same five pledge categories. 
Together, we've convened a cross-industry group of materials experts to create a common materials framework. This framework defines what it means for a product and manufacturing company to address these five key areas by evaluating all eco-labels and standards and the data within these in the market. The common materials framework will be a consistent definition to support the creation of meaningful and aligned metrics, tools, and accountability, design, and industry all working from the same playbook. And Greg, we already have members across both the architecture profession and concrete industry working in collaboration to develop innovative solutions for decarbonization. For example, Dr. Christopher Drew at Adrian Smith and Gordon Gill Architecture and Ryan Sedella at Ozinga Ready Mix recently gave a presentation at AIA's conference on architecture in Chicago about the research they've conducted with NRMCA on innovations in creating zero carbon and carbon negative concrete, such as through the use of supplementary cementitious materials, liquefied CO2 injection, and artificial aggregate. Pretty great. Yeah, it's good stuff. And, and Chris and Ryan have been hard at it for a while now. It's In fact, I should just mention here that we're working together on a a Habitat for Humanity project in the Chicago land area where they're expecting to use that mixed design for the first time for a, for a Habitat family in that part of the country. So we'll be excited to see that come to fruition. In addition to working together, Lakeisha, to advance these solutions in the sustainability space, obviously we also have a shared interest in addressing resilience. And part of the solution will likely be to advance the building codes across the country. This is something that you're no stranger to, I know. And a former colleague of mine once said that a code compliant building is the worst building that we can legally build. How do you see the architecture community working to advocate for more resilient communities? The architecture community can lead advocacy for more resilient communities, not only through the buildings they design, but also the policies they support at the federal, state, and local level. AIA provides several resources and tools to help our members design buildings above the code minimum and make the case for pursuing levels of performance well above code. While we certainly can and should go much further than code, the current national model codes have made great advances in the protection of public health, safety, and welfare, and we continue to advocate for improved building codes and standards and for community resilience at all policy levels. AIA supported the Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which included important investments in the energy efficiency and resilience of the building sector, including the Weatherization Assistance Program, the Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities Grants, the Storm Act Grants, and the Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy in Schools grants. Additionally, that legislation included important support for updated building code adoption through the cost-effective codes implementation grants. We know that updated building codes are critical to improving the energy efficiency and resilience of the nation's building stock. In June, the White House announced the National Initiative to Advance Building Codes. This consolidated a lot of talking points from around the industry on codes and resilience and the economic and community impacts of improving building codes for resilience. I just want to cite a couple of the points referenced. First, almost two out of every three communities in the U.S. have not adopted the latest building codes and, as a result, are vulnerable to climate impacts and higher energy costs. 
In addition, they quoted the National Institute of Building Sciences National Hazard Mitigation Safe Study. And in that report, every dollar invested in the building code adoption provides 11 times more in savings by reducing damage and helping communities recover more quickly. AIA is working with advocacy partners in our Building Resilience Advocacy Coalition to support this White House initiative and the continued implementation of IIJA. We have already started outreach on this historic federal investment in building codes and the associated funding opportunities we expect to come in Q4 of this year. We're raising awareness with our AIA state components to start reaching out to state and local stakeholders now to start considering what programs their communities could propose for funding when the application period opens. So there's a lot ahead. Boy, and a lot in that answer that I hope folks can rewind and, and listen to that again, because I think getting through hearing all of that, you know, there's just a tremendous amount of good information there. I appreciate it. And obviously your finger is on the pulse and probably has been for, for a while with your previous roles at MIBS and, and NAHB. So great, great stuff. Let's talk about cost for a second, because I think that that's, you know, that's a key in a lot of, of people's minds, the issue of cost is often the response you get when you ask somebody why we don't build better. And I think we all have a stake in understanding that designing and constructing buildings that only meet this lowest common denominator ultimately is a failure to take our leadership seriously. What do you think needs to change to improve our efforts to address resilience? That's a great point, Greg. We can work collaboratively across the design profession and industry on this leadership and to help clients and civic leaders understand the cost benefits of solutions for resilience, many of which also offer exponential equity outcomes. I mentioned some of the cost benefits of resilience earlier. We can focus on educating clients and communities on the cascading returns on investment and benefits of integrating resilient and sustainable approaches to the design of the built environment. For example, that green infrastructure absorbs stormwater, reduces surface temperatures, providing habitat, serves as a respite for community health and well-being, and absorbs carbon. As I noted earlier, the technology to decarbonize the built environment absolutely exists and is ready for wide deployment. What's missing is policy support and market incentives for uptake at a scale that will dramatically reduce emitted carbon to avoid the worst effects of climate change. Although technical innovation is still beneficial, more innovation is needed on how we incentivize, finance, and value a high-performance, sustainable, and resilient built environment. Research and investment in innovative materials must be boosted by incentives to bring innovative solutions to scale in a risk-adverse industry. How can low-carbon materials infiltrate the building supply chain as quickly as plastics did. Circular marketplace for building materials is also an enormous opportunity for local and regional community investment. AIA has recently published a guide to ROI, the economic case for resilient design. This resource offers talking points for clients, civic leaders, contractors, vendors, and others on the economic case for resilient design. We encourage everyone to access this on our website at AIA.org slash resilience. And as you mentioned, Rick, we have stake in improving our efforts to address resilience. And I hope this is also something we can work on together. 
Yeah, it's, you know, such an important point or series of points, Lakeisha. And, you know, it occurs to me, in fact, it's occurred to me several times over the last few years that our industries, you know, ultimately our industries need to hold a summit or some kind of a way that we can collaborate more effectively, you know, get that conversation started and advanced in a more deliberate way. And I, I think, you know, in my, at least in my opinion, the logical group to orchestrate and lead the planning for an effective meeting of the mind, so to speak, is AIA. Getting the leaders of all of our building groups uh, in a room can only improve this collaboration, I think. Is that something, I mean, from your perspective, I know you're new in, in this specific role, but is that something you think the AIA might be interested in, in taking on in the future? Well, as you know, architects play an important role of convener in our industry. AIA's and NRMCA's leadership in the Building Resilience Advocacy Coalition is an important way to ensure that all stakeholders are at the table. Together, we will make a meaningful and lasting difference in equity, sustainability, and other important issues. As I said at the beginning, all have a role to ensure that the built world empowers and inspires. So this has been a phenomenal conversation and it's great to get to your perspective as the leader of AIA, I think is critically important to the, to the discussion. And so I'm delighted that you had a chance to come on and spend some time with us. You probably know that I typically wrap these podcast episodes asking our guests for some closing thoughts. I'd like to do the same thing here. And obviously we've covered some, some significant ground, but I think it will be compelling for some of them, the folks in our audience. But if you were to leave our listeners with one final thought, what would that be? Well, first, Greg, thank you so much for inviting me and for the opportunity to share how architects and NRMC members can advance our shared vision of a more equitable and sustainable built world through collaborative leadership in the AEC industry. I think there is so much we can do together, and I just look forward to continuing the conversation and listening to our members, your members, and seeing how we can work together to improve the built environment through equity and sustainability. I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate your taking time to chat with us today. Good luck with the new role. I don't think you're going to need a whole lot of luck, but I offer that nonetheless and hope to see you very soon. Thank you, Greg. It was great again to be back at NRMCA where it all began. I look forward to working with you and your members in the future. Thanks. We'd also like to take this opportunity to thank our Concrete Credentials podcast listeners. Please remember to subscribe to Concrete Credentials, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. We also strongly encourage your participation in this important conversation. Please reach out to us with your thoughts and feedback, as well as your suggestions for future content by emailing concretecredentials at nrmca.org. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks.